We need to talk about Audrey Hale and Riley Gaines before things get worse. Quote, In a country that doesn't discriminate between fame and infamy, the latter presents itself as plainly more achievable. End quote. Lionel Shriver, we need to talk about Kevin. If we had strong leaders in the White House, which we don't, they would have stepped up to a podium somewhere after the mass shooting at Christian Covenant and the attack on champion swimmer Riley Gaines by trans activists and tried to lower the temperature. Instead, just days after the shooting, the president took the opportunity to blame Republicans, especially those in Tennessee still reeling from a shocking massacre at a Christian school. From CNN, quote, President Joe Biden is using International Transgender Day of Visibility on Friday to sharply criticize acts of violence and discrimination against Americans who identify as trans and non-binary, zeroing in on the growing number of Republican-led bills targeting trans youth. And if that wasn't enough, the second in line, Kamala Harris, used the opportunity not to visit the victims and the families, but instead to perform a bit of civil rights theater. If she wants to be an activist, nothing is going to stop her. If she wants to be entrusted to lead this country, that isn't going to cut it. And Riley Gaines? Nothing from our president or vice president, nothing from the titans of feminism, nothing from legacy media. It was all quiet on the left-earned front. Shame on all of them. She's 22 years old and sticking her neck out to fight for women's rights to compete in sports without having to compete against biologically advantaged men. The activist told her to cry, bitch. As the trans activists push harder to infiltrate every area of American life, the conservatives push back just as hard. Without strong leadership at the top, we should all be worried about where this is going. We need to talk about Audrey Hale. Whenever there is a mass shooting, the keyboard warriors on Twitter take to their battle stations and search for the identity of the shooter. If they are white, then it becomes a major news story. If they are non-white, down the memory hole it goes. When the Buffalo shooter's manifesto was released, it was clear that he'd been isolated and radicalized during lockdowns. He probably wasn't the only one. But rather than talk about that, the entire thing had to become about Tucker Carlson, Fox News, and replacement theory. Here is a video of Tucker Carlson talking about the shooting. First, good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. Last May, a 17-year-old high school senior called Peyton Gendron received an assignment in his economics class. The assignment asked, what do you want to do when you retire? He answered, commit murder-suicide. Gendron's teacher immediately reported his threat to authorities who sent him to the emergency room for a psychiatric evaluation. Gendron was there for just 20 hours. As he wrote later in his diary, quote, I got out of it because I stuck with the story that I was getting out of class and I just stupidly wrote that down. That's the reason I believe I am still able to purchase guns. But he was lying. Gendron's intention to commit mass murder was, as he later wrote, quote, not a joke. I wrote that down because that's what I was planning to do. And he was. Peyton Gendron was mentally ill. His classmates knew that. Gendron made strange facial expressions and said odd things in class. Last year, he showed up for school for a full week wearing a hazmat suit. Boots, gloves, everything, recalled another student. 
Police and school administrators understood perfectly well that Gendron was potentially dangerous. That's why they sent him to the psych ward. Even his own parents must have known that something was very wrong. Gendron's diary describes how his mother helped him bury a cat he had beaten to death in their garage and then beheaded with a hatchet. On Saturday, Peyton Gendron, as you know, finally did what he said he would do. He committed mass murder. He opened fire on a crowd of strangers in a Buffalo supermarket. He murdered 10 of them. So how did the adults around him let this happen? In a country with functioning leadership, we would be asking that question. The signs of mental illness were certainly there. The people in charge missed those signs or didn't take them seriously enough or weren't paying close enough attention. In any case, they didn't fix it. They let a killer slip through. So what did they do wrong with Peyton Gendron and how can we learn from it? We should learn from it if we want to prevent more mass murders. But that's not at all what our leaders are asking tonight, hardly. Instead, they're asking the only question that ever occurs to them. How exactly can I benefit from this? How can I leverage this tragedy to my advantage? How can other people's suffering make me more powerful? It didn't take long for Joe Biden to find a way. Biden flew to Buffalo this morning to speak about what Peyton Gendron did. There have been a number of mass murders since Biden became president. Some of them have been racially motivated. A little over a year ago, in fact, there was even another supermarket massacre that happened to have the same casualty total. A Syrian-born man murdered 10 people in Boulder, Colorado. He even used the same caliber rifle that Patron Gendron brought to Buffalo. But Joe Biden didn't bother to fly to that crime scene. He didn't go to any of them, in fact. Biden went to Buffalo today because he thought he could blame his political opponents for what happened there, which, of course, he promptly did. Watch. And other nations ask me, heads of state in other countries, ask me, what's going on? What in God's name happened on January 6th? What happened in Buffalo? What happened? They ask. January 6th and the Buffalo massacre. So how is a political protest at the Capitol related to a murder spree by a demented teenager in New York State over the weekend? What do those two events have in common? And who exactly are these unnamed heads of state who are connecting these non-connected events in conversations with Joe Biden? You may have wondered that. But when 28-year-old Audrey Hale armed herself with a semi-automatic and slaughtered six people, including three children, the media went almost completely dark on the story, pivoting instead to guns and somehow racism. Yes, racism. A story about the first biological female and trans-identified male going on a shooting rampage a few days before Biden's Transgender Day of Visibility, with a raging culture war inflamed on both sides, was somehow reimagined as the summer of 2020. The Tennessee Three turned into a multi-day, multimedia event, complete with talk show appearances, long agonizing essays, and even somehow tying it to January 6th. No one in the legacy media wants to talk about Audrey Hale because she is an inconvenience for the activists, for the media who ignore their intensifying violence against women like Gaines, and up to the President of the United States. Sorry, Joe, we have to talk about what just happened. We have to talk about Audrey Aiden. If she was really a male, a white male, so why wasn't she demonized as any white male would be? Because it's all a lie that trans women are women or trans men are men. No, they aren't. They're a protected group who remain protected even when they shoot children. 
Audrey Hale believed herself to be two people. To her family and friends, she was Audrey, a shy and awkward 28-year-old, still living with her parents. But she was also Aiden, a vicious mass murderer, a psychopathic killer, leading a double life. This double life is expressed in her artwork, which is mostly like Audrey herself appeared to be, kind of sweet, kind of childlike. For podcast listeners, we're looking at a picture of Audrey's artwork showing a purple animal and a golden bunny. But she was also Aiden, hiding a darkness that took pleasure in the kind of evil of Jack Torrance in The Shining. For podcast listeners, we're looking at a picture by Audrey Hale that she drew of Jack Nicholson that says Red Rum. Wendy, I'm home. All work and no play. Some places are like people. Murder. Red Rum in The Shining is written on a mirror by Danny, who is trying to warn his mother that Jack is about to murder them with an axe. But Jack was also trapped in the Overlook Hotel over a long winter and began to lose his mind and began to have visions about murdering his wife and son. Is this Audrey Aiden identifying with Jack in The Shining, where the ultimate ending is a massacre? I would never blame The Shining for inspiring mass murder at Christian Covenant, but I might blame the media for turning school shooters into legends, as they have since Columbine. The minute she left the home of her Christian parents who did not want her to be either gay or transgender, she put on the costume of Aiden and became him. She prepared for many months for the shooting, researching other mass shooters throughout history. She was spotted dressed as Aiden at a shooting range, practicing to become a good shot. A Nashville woman who took the photo said, quote, I was like, there's something weird here. I was just thinking, if something was to happen, I need a picture of this person, end quote. Podcast listeners are looking at a picture of Audrey Hale, dressed like a boy, practicing how to shoot. She needed Aiden to avenge the painful life of Audrey. This story is most noteworthy because we're constantly being told transgender people are victims, not perpetrators. Are they now going to warn all of us that if we aren't 100% compliant with gender-affirming care, we won't only be causing suicide, but now mass murder? Best not to even discuss it, right? Best to just pivot to racism and guns. It's cleaner. Tucker Carlson can be responsible for untold numbers of deaths. But anyone on the left can see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil when it comes to Audrey Hale. Hale's manifesto has not yet been released, so we can't possibly know what mad scramblings will be revealed. We can only guess why she would do it. 
She was suicidal because anyone in the transgender community is told that if they can't live as themselves, their only option is suicide. Suicide is known to be a contagion, and yet they fling the word around willy-nilly. Hale was diagnosed with high-functioning autism, meaning she might take what they were saying literally, with no way to tell that it is, at least partly, hyperbole. Here is a video of a trans activist explaining why they say there is a trans genocide. Generally, when I talk about queer issues on this channel, even when I directly confront the underlying politics, I do it through the lens of geeky media. Or at the very least, I somehow tie it into things that I've addressed in the past that are in that vein. That is not going to be the case here. No geeky tie-in, no angle, just the straightforward situation. Depending on who you interact with in your life or online, you may have already heard the term transgenocide, but it could just as easily be a new term to you. It's one that's seeing an increased use amongst trans people and their allies for what is currently being done by government entities to the trans community at large. And there's a very good chance that the phrase strikes you as hyperbolic. I mean, trans people aren't being herded into camps, They aren't being exterminated by the government. You may also find yourself asking, doesn't using a word like genocide to refer to a few pieces of legislation in a few states kind of dilute the power of that word? It's also possible you're wary of the term because the last time a term with genocide in it started to see any kind of wide use in this country, it was a few years back with White genocide, a bunk conspiracy narrative that postulated non-whites were going to breed white people out of existence or at the very least out of being the... Of course, for the Democrats who never let a crisis go to waste, this was the moment to double down on a ban on semi-automatic rifles. But how could they not talk about suicide, since that is also the common link between all of these mass shooters? This could have been a moment for Joe Biden or Kamala Harris to calm things down and reach out to those suffering right now with suicidal thoughts. This country has been through a lot. The statistics bear this out. The number of suicides by guns dwarfs that of school shootings. This spike in 20 and 21 likely had something to do with the isolation of lockdowns. From gunviolence.org. For podcast listeners, we're looking at a seven-year review that shows suicide by guns go from 22,000 in 2016 to 24,000 in 2020 to 26,000 in 2021. The stats of 2022 are not yet available. From ABC News, the rate of young people taking their own lives with firearms in the U.S. has increased faster than any other group. And the youth suicide rate is at its highest point in more than 20 years, according to a new gun violence prevention report by Everytown for Gun Safety and first obtained by ABC News. Most gun deaths in this country are by handguns, not semi automatic rifles. That is true of suicides or crime statistics. Throughout the 90s, gun control focused on handguns mainly because of gang violence. Bill Clinton signed the Violent Crime Control and Law Enforcement Act of 1994 which banned semi-automatic rifles. The Columbine shootings occurred in 1999 before the ban expired in 2004. How did they explain it? Loopholes, they said. Mass shootings using semi-automatic rifles have increased since then, but so has every other statistic related to handguns, crime, and suicide. 
I'm not sure what problem they're trying to solve other than to rally their base. In focusing exclusively on guns, the Democrats are missing the bigger picture of this perilous moment. We need to talk about Riley Gaines. Throughout the drama unfolding in One America, with the Tennessee Three rallying the base, pivoting to racism and guns, and the Transgender Day of Visibility was at the top of Biden's agenda, Riley Gaines was bullied and harassed by trans activists just for exercising her right to speak about biological men competing alongside women in sports. Here is a video of Megan Kelly talking about Riley Gaines. She was physically attacked. Her name is Riley Gaines, and she had the unfortunate luck to have to swim against Leah Thomas, who's a trans woman, biological man, who was in the 500s as a male swimmer and became number one once he transitioned over to being a woman. And uh, she came in tied against him in one of the big championship finals. And they wouldn't give her the trophy. They gave it to him because they wanted Leah Thomas to stand there with the trophy, not Riley Gaines, the actual female swimmer who was raised as a girl, has been a girl her whole life, unlike Leah, who was Bill about two minutes ago. Uh, So Leah Thomas uh, has engendered a lot of acrimony in the swimming community, including from Riley Gaines. And Riley's got a thing or two to say about it. Riley's not out there saying trans women should have absolutely no role in public life or, you know, shouldn't be recognized, etc. She just has a lane when it comes to athletics that is relevant to her. That's all she wanted to talk about at this San Francisco State University. She went out there. She was invited. She went. She showed up and tried to speak to the students there. And then she was essentially kidnapped. She was chased out of the building, almost. They wanted her out, shoved her into a room. She couldn't get out. For three hours, she was in there being screamed at, threatened. She had been punched in the face and in the shoulder by a trans woman. A man punched her, uh, dressed as a woman. Uh, They were demanding a ransom to release her from the building at all. And finally, she was able to, this is a young girl. She was in college last year. This is not some, you know, chiseled, cynical, old mofo like me. She's, <laughs> she's young uh-huh. and uh, handled herself very gracefully, managed to get out of there and tweeted about it. And even the tweet was subdued. You know, she said that they clearly want to silence me and therefore I'm doing the right thing and I'm going to continue using my voice. The university, the head of the university who was responsible for this behavior, essentially, blocked Riley Gaines on Twitter. She blocked her from being able to follow the head of the, you've got to be kidding me. Mm. And wrote a long letter of of apology to the trans activists at her university, not to Riley Gaines. There was no apology to her. It was all about how proud she was of the students who showed up there and behaved peacefully, leaving out the paragraph of those of you who didn't who embarrassed us and made us into a national laughingstock should be ashamed of yourselves. And at least the fig leaf of, and we're going to do the half a day training to teach you not to behave like that, the way they did at Stanford University when they shouted down that judge. It's an absolute disgrace. A champion swimmer whose dedication to the sport began at 12 years old, Gaines trained hard at Kentucky State, becoming their most decorated swimmer. She was used to winning races. She knew her strengths and her weaknesses. Like most women, she is competitive and must know those who might beat her in a given race. But never in all those years of training was she told she would one day have to compete alongside a biological man, as she did when swimming alongside Leah Thomas. 
Thomas has all of the gifts that go along with having spent her whole life competing and training as a man. Upper body strength, wider shoulders, bigger hands. There is no way for Gaines to have trained harder and gotten stronger to defeat a biological man. In this video, Thomas says the quiet part out loud, that the most common misconception about her is that she transitioned because it would give her an advantage. What has it been like to be Leah Thomas? It's been a very, very interesting experience at times. There's been a lot of noise, um, but it's been incredibly rewarding and meaningful to um, be able to be authentic and to be myself and, and be out and, and proud as a trans woman. Leah Thomas pulling away over the final 150 meters. Thomas wins the NCAA championship. How does it make you feel when you think about the fact that you're the first transgender person to ever win an NCAA Division I championship? I'm, I'm very humbled and, and honored to, to hold that title. Um, and I can only hope that I'm able to give other trans people the inspiration and motivation I was given. What do you think is the biggest misconception people have about you, specifically? Um, the, the biggest misconception, I think, is the reason why I transitioned, where, where people will say, oh, she just transitioned, so she would have an advantage, so she could win. I transitioned to be happy, to be true to myself. Making progress for trans-identified women means taking a step back for women like Gaines. It's such a touchy subject that, according to this story in the free press, no one dares to stand up and speak out, though most women feel discouraged and frustrated by how this has suddenly been foisted upon them. Why is this their burden to bear? How has this gotten this far and it's left to a 22-year-old Riley Gaines to take such a brave stand and fight for all women who wish to compete and win in a fair race? Where are the titans of feminism? Hillary Clinton, Kirsten Gillibrand, Kamala Harris, Jane Fonda, Oprah, Michelle Obama, Gloria Steinem. Killing off what's left of the feminist movement, that's where. Remember the Women's March that we proudly proclaimed the future is female? Only to wake up in 2023 to find the word female exclusionary. Second wave feminism was gutted because it was considered white feminism white women being the majority, and still are. But now there isn't even a way to be female. One is expected to identify as female. We are born female. We have periods. We ovulate. We get pregnant. We are only one of three mammalian species to go through menopause because older women are needed both for leadership and to help very young mothers with childbirth and with child care. Mothers are connected to daughters through DNA. Quote, mitochondrial DNA is the circular chromosome found inside the cellular organelles called mitochondria. Located in the cytoplasm, mitochondria are the site of the cell's energy production and other metabolic functions. Offspring inherit mitochondria and as a result, mitochondrial DNA from their mother. End quote. For podcast listeners, we're looking at a picture of the Women's March. The future is female. During the Trump years, women soothed and championed each other and felt pride in their womanhood and feminism. 
the Women's March had some three to five million attending. Once Biden took office and the transgender movement mobilized, those women had nothing to anchor them anymore. They were purposeless, unseen, no longer celebrated. Now I watch those same women, the Hillary Democrats, embrace anti-racism and go on and on about white fragility to have some purpose to their lives. Now they've become mothers and allies of transgender people because their only value now is supporting men wishing to become women just like them. I have always respected and liked many trans-identified men and women. I use preferred pronouns. I have no problem with them doing whatever they want to do as adults. But I draw two hard lines. One is gender-affirming care on minors, and the other is biological men competing alongside biological women, thanks to Riley Gaines. Gaines isn't the only woman speaking out, who has become a target of rage and even attacks. Posey Parker was recently swarmed, spit on, and screamed at in New Zealand. It's time to say, not through me. Consequences or no consequences, it's time to have the backs of these women out there with very little support from other women. I might not agree with everything they're fighting for, but I will fight for their right to say it. Cry, bitch. Back in 1969, one night in August, a brutal mass murder shook a country to its core. Members of the Manson family, most of them young women, viciously and repeatedly stabbed everyone inside. When Sharon Tate begged for the life of her baby, nine months in her womb, Susan Atkins said, Look, bitch, I don't care a thing about you. You're going to die and there's nothing you can do about it. The trans activist who attacked Riley Gaines said almost the same thing. You gonna cry, bitch? Here's the video of Gaines being assaulted. The same kind of dehumanization Manson foisted on the women he brainwashed now courses through the veins of trans activists who believe they have the right to talk to Gaines that way because to them, by now, she's not even a person. They think just by talking, she's putting trans lives at risk. That justifies everything they say. But they're horribly misguided, and someone has to teach them some manners. Who raised these monsters anyway? The Manson murders were shocking enough that they awakened and sobered up a culture hypnotized by the 60s. That, along with the bombings at the Capitol, the kidnapping and radicalization of Patty Hearst, America was done with the activists. Mass murder is mass murder, and it isn't always about guns. Where there is a will, there is a way. Audrey Hale wasn't the only 28-year-old who committed mass murder in recent months. Brian Koberger is also 28 years old 
and has been accused of sneaking into the home of young students in Moscow, Idaho, and stabbing four of them in under nine minutes. There was no talk of banning long knives after that or warning young women about the dangers of displaying their beautiful bodies on Instagram, tagged with their locations. The focus was squarely on the perp. For podcast listeners, we're looking at a picture of the Idaho Four who were murdered in November of 2022. Daryl E. Brooks in 2021 drove an SUV into a parade in Waukesha, Wisconsin, killing six people, including a child. He had been previously arrested for driving that same SUV over his girlfriend and was let out on a $1,000 bail. Yet the conversation will never be about that SUVs are too dangerous, so let's eliminate them. And because Brooks was a black man, it was too difficult of a subject for the legacy media, and it never became a major news story. For podcast listeners, we're looking at the faces of the six people mowed down by Daryl Brooks. Mass shootings with manifestos attached are closer to acts of terrorism, not unlike suicide bombings, which kill hundreds every month. Podcast listener is a list of headlines. Death toll from suicide bombing at mosque in Pakistan climbs to 100. Death toll of suicide bombing in Kabul rises to 53. Unless we forget, Timothy McVeigh drove a truck loaded with explosives into the federal building in Oklahoma City, killing hundreds, including 19 children. Guns might be easier and faster, but they aren't the only way to commit mass murder. What all shooters have in common is that they want to make the world suffer for their pain. If one method is eliminated, they'll find another. The Democrats want to talk about anything but the underlying cause for these shootings. It's much easier to pivot to their comfort zone of racism and guns, anything to cast themselves as the good guys and the Republicans as the bad guys. And if a shooter emerges that might contradict that message, the legacy media helps them bury it. Stand and deliver. It isn't enough to stay silent and hope this awkward moment passes. It isn't enough to hide behind a fake veneer of going along to get along. It isn't enough to always be a passenger waiting for others to take you where you need to go. Sometimes you have to rise to the occasion and do the right thing. That means it's time to protect the kids from harm. It's time to be hated and alienated for a good cause. It's time to stand up for Riley Gaines Have her back and let her know she is not alone. I have a daughter the same age as Gaines. I can't protect her from everything, try though I might. I can't protect her from broken people filled with rage. I can't protect her from the unexpected tragedies of life and death. I live with that fear every day. But I can make her future a little brighter and a little more free. By teaching her, there is nothing wrong with pushing back and telling the truth. Thank you for listening to my Substack, sashastone.substack.com. Have a great weekend, and remember, to thine own self be true.
After seven days, he was quite tired. So God said, Let there be a day just for picnics with wine and bread. He gathered up some people he had made. Created blankets and laid back in the shade. The people sipped their wine and what with God there they asked him questions like, Do you have to eat or get your hair cut in hair? Oh, 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 